2: So you've been with TSN for a while. You started back in 96 as an editorial assistant uh, while you were attending Ryerson. Uh, tell me what the scene was like back then, and what did they have you do?
1: Um, it was awesome. It was uh, We were in a different building. Uh, we were in North York. We were in beautiful downtown Scarborough. Um, it was awesome. It was pre-internet. That's how long ago it was. So, um, you know, I got the chance to write highlights and uh, work for amazing anchors like Michael Landsberg and Dino Retta, guys who are still around to this day, and I get to work with now, um, it was it was a, I was very lucky. I kind of lucked into the job. Um, it was very hard to get that gig, and uh, but yeah, very grateful I got to do that.
2: And you're still working with some of those great people today as well.
1: That's true. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's kind of surreal actually, because um, I grew up watching them. And then I got to work for them behind the scenes, and that was cool. And then to work alongside them as an anchor is, yeah, it's just uh, very surreal, that's for sure.
2: You went after your internship, you've done, you went with a sports director at the Global uh, Saskatoon, uh, hosted the big breakfast in Winnipeg, host of NHL on the fly, uh, before returning to TSN in 2002. Um, then in 2003, of course, they paired you with. Dan Tool and a, uh, a bromance formed. Uh, did you always get along, and did it take time to create a chemistry?
1: No, we always got along. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been working on TV long enough to realize that you know if you get along with someone, um, you should definitely appreciate it and enjoy it. And um, right away, right off the top, the thing that was very apparent to both of us was that we both had a similar idea about how a highlight show should be done, uh, what a viewer should get out of it. Which is obviously information, but also that you shouldn't try to be too broadcastery. And we're not good enough broadcasters to be, <laughs> to be uh, too broadcastery. So, um, I don't know. We just had a similar philosophy about how the show should be done. Just a couple of buddies hanging out, uh, doing the highlights. And, uh, and I think that's why it's continued to work all these years because we never take anything too seriously. It is sports after all. It's supposed to be entertainment. So, uh, yeah, I think that's why it's gone so well all this time.
2: Was, did you know Dan before your time at TSN or was that the first time you guys met?
1: Yeah, no, I, I actually did not know Dan until I got here. So, um, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've worked with enough people I haven't gone along with, uh, and that's especially you know, we all work with people we don't get along with but uh, if you have to do that on air and pretend you like them, that's a horrible situation. So, when you do get along with someone, you appreciate it. So, right away I just think we had chemistry and uh, made each other laugh and, and shockingly enough, that continues to this day.
2: Yeah, it seems like you guys have a lot of fun when you're doing either the sports show, either your uh, the podcast, knowing you. Um, I kind of grew up watching sports uh, center with both of you and I, I thought to myself, like I wonder if they ever do anything behind the scenes where they both just leave at the end of the day, clock out and say, like basically like screw you, talk to you tomorrow. but it seems like you guys get along quite well.
1: Yeah, no. It's that uh, we've never had an argument ever. Literally, we've never had a disagreement or an argument about anything. Uh, you know, and that's just uh, you know that's has been, I think to, you no, know, it doesn't mean like we always agree on everything. We've never really had any ill will. I think we're just kind of similar people. We don't. We're not going to take the business that seriously because it's supposed to be entertainment at the end of the day. I think sometimes people forget that. You know that sports is supposed to be an escape it's supposed to be fun and so that's why we do the show the way we do it
2: now in 2013 you did the unbearable the unspeakable one of the most tragic things that ever happened to canada uh you and dan moved to fox sports what was that experience like
1: amazing it was um it was uh, it was a really fun fun time down there we met amazing people and uh Fox was a fun place to work. The station itself wasn't the best fit for us. Um, you know, I think any anyone who had gone to that station in the beginning would have had a hard time. And when by the time we left, we were the last originals there. <laughs> there was no one else left. Um, it was, uh, you know, every, every startup station has growing pain, and uh, this is no different. In the course of the five years that the network's been in existence, they've kind of revamped programming about five different times. So... Uh, even the, uh, the time we were there, they changed the format of our show at least three times. So, you know, it was a kind of a tough time to be at the network, but the actual day-to-day experience was unbelievable. We were on the Fox lot in L.A., um, working with amazing people. And living in L.A. doesn't suck, you know. The weather's good. And people are friendly. So wouldn't change it for the world. It was a blast.
2: And I don't mean with any of this as being uh, a shot at you or Dan, uh, but what do you think just the difference in a Canadian audience and an American audience? Because, like, the Canadian audience eats up the littlest hobo references, the, uh, you know, the nonchalant kind of carry on approach, but I, I don't know if the U.S. audience really caught on to it. Now, you feel free to disagree with me, but do you think there's a big difference in that?
1: No, I, I think it's just the network itself. It was. Hard, it was hard to find the network it was um it was a startup network um we were on a different spot on the dial every single cable system we were on we didn't have a ton of live inventory we didn't have enough live sports period so there wasn't you know when we had uh good things on people would watch us when we had the Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship series we would have 7 million viewers um but most nights we didn't have that so um, it was really. I think it's just a startup situation, you know. I think um, had we been able to be there for twenty years, I think we would have been just fine. But um, that's not the way the business works, and and change happens more quickly down there certainly than it does up here, um, because you know there's more money involved. It's easier to make those decisions. So yeah, I think the audience that we did find really really loved us. We were just talking about that on our own podcast about ten minutes ago that. Um, since we left and come back up here, we've kind of gotten an outpouring of love from people in the States saying, We wish you guys, you know, we could see you guys here. We really loved watching you. So I think we resonated maybe more than we realized we did. Um, but I just still don't think it was a great fit in terms of the network for us.
2: And yeah, I agree. That kind of happens with a startup network. You know, you got to try to, it's like baby steps. You got to try to find an identity, and then there's constant change. And sometimes people don't really they can't grab onto something that's not a constant.
1: Yeah, and also it's just, you know, people are, you know, it's hard to change people's viewing habits, you know, and this was true 20 years ago when TV ruled and there was no Internet. It was still hard for stations. I started a station in Winnipeg that was a startup, and it was the first few years that I was there were were abysmal because people had been used to watching the local CTV affiliate for years and years. and. It's just hard to make people change. You know, they they get used to watching people and personalities, and and those programs are good. It's hard to get them to switch.
2: People are thrilled, of course, that you're back. But what's your favorite part of being back at TSN?
1: Um, I think it's it's like feels like home. It's you know, it's it, you know, to borrow a cliche, it's kind of where we belong. You know, it's um, it's a place that gives us tremendous freedom, trusts us, and we're allowed. You know, we're able to reach an audience here that that loves what we do and we've only been doing the new show for two weeks and it's already kind of a hit and it's gone over kind of better than we expected so um you know i think we've realized over the course we 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 even said it in the first week we actually did rehearsals for the show which we've never done before and i think the first week of rehearsals felt better than anything we'd done in a long time but i think we knew right then we'd made the right decision coming back
2: Wow, that that's you know that's kind of surprising. That that was like the first time you guys have done rehearsals because it seems like you guys have uh like you're well prepared. And uh, on that segment of going home, as soon as you said that, I was thinking of uh, you were probably riding from L. A. to Toronto with Michael Blue Blaze home in the background while you were driving.
1: I've never heard that song. Oh I, come on! Boobs, but I've never heard that too.
2: Now, of course, I love your clips that you used on the show, "Littlest Hobo." Uh, did James Duffy show up to work? Uh, the old kind of sports music setup, where people realize that you and you and uh, Dan actually switch spots in the uh, when you're doing your setup. Uh, who comes up with this stuff?
1: Well, you know, it's a little bit of us. Uh, we have a couple of amazing writers uh, who also work with us. And it's kind of a collaborative effort for the most part. We, we have an amazing crew. Um, and everyone kind of has the same sort of philosophy about the show. We want to make people laugh and entertain people. Uh, we know that this information that we're giving you on the show uh, can be had elsewhere. So, you know, we've always said we've got to be an entertaining show. We've got to give you a different reason to tune in. And I think now more than ever, because we have more freedom to do this kind of stuff comedically, um, you know, we're able to do the exact show we always wanted to do.
2: All right. And the other thing I have to mention here, too, um, just from a person who kind of likes reading sports books, I've read James Duthie's book, or two books. You've also got two books your own, Anchor Boy and Number Two. Um, what prompted you to write these? Because one, when I'm reading, like, I guess it was number two, you kind of get into about how you interned Much, how you were kind of a bit of a prankster, and then with the first one that you written, it seemed a little bit more career-based, so what prompted you to write these two books?
1: You know, someone approached me uh, and said, I think you should write a book, and <laughs> that was pretty much it, and I always wanted to write one. I don't know if I, I thought I would write one this young, um, not that I'm young, but I'm <laughs> young probably to write a book about my career. I don't know if I was ready to do that, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It's hard work, though. I will say that, like uh, writing the two books was uh, the hardest I've worked in a long time. It's, uh, I have a new appreciation for uh, you know authors who prolific authors who turn out you know like a different novel every year. That's incredible to me. Um, but I enjoyed it, and, and it was both books were bestsellers and um, went on a national book tour and just you know. Thousands of people showed up. It was amazing to me, and it was sort of um, it was truly gratifying you know to, to realize that that many people appreciate what you do and so it was a great experience. I don't think I'll write another one because I think uh, I think I've said what I have to say for now so Maybe when I retire in uh, twenty years, I'll uh, put pen to paper again. But I think for now, I'm good.
2: No, I really enjoyed reading them. Like I was surprised because, I, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean I read James Duffy's book, uh, his second one, and I was like, okay, this is kind of about his career, kind of gets personal. And then when I read your number two first, which. Technically, I should read the first one first, and the second one, but I, I kind of liked how you got into the fact of, um, you know, y- you got into a bit of your childhood, and like, you know, it, what my imagination of a childhood for like a sportscaster is like, oh, they're very clean, they're very, uh, they don't get into shenanigans, but when I, <laughs> I remember one story that's really stuck out was, I guess a friend was coming into town, you made a phone call in a different voice, the cops are like, their her parents <laughs> call the cops, and I was thinking like, this sounds like something that I would do and it sounds so relatable that a lot of people get in trouble for that's just miscommunication.
1: Yeah, and it was small town living, you know. You grew up in a small town and, um, you know, you're probably going to get hauled into the cop station at some point. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was, uh, no, I, I was very glad that people could relate to the story, you know, basically I was just a kid who grew up on the prairies and, and uh, lucked out and a dream job. So uh, continue to enjoy it to this day, that's for sure.
2: And I got one last question that I'm going to ask is, you know, the NHL season is coming up. Everyone loves NHL highlights in Canada. What can we expect from the Jay and Dan podcast and show now that the NHL is back as well?
1: Well, we're excited because, uh, you know, obviously in the states we did not get to cover hockey extensively. Um, We knew it wasn't as popular. We didn't realize how little popularity it has down there, unfortunately. Um, obviously in Canada we love sport we're obsessed with it uh, so believe it or not I'm even excited about doing preseason highlights so that'll be great and then the podcast itself won't change that much we're even going to have um, you know we had a, our award winning sound engineer who worked at Fox with us Jim Mitchell was with us through the whole run at Fox and he's going to come on with us every week so we're going to you know the thing with all of our shows is we try to keep a sense of continuity uh, we don't want to change things too much we just tweak them a little bit here and there
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Jay Onright for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. Hi.
1: What she said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com.
0: It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? and Jackie Hollowayati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods and on the Crier Media Network.
2: Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.